Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Thank you for joining us tonight for Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and of course, we're here every Thursday night to bring clarity and truth to bear on the questionable doctrine of Joseph Smith's polygamy, which has resulted down through the years, uh, much pain and of course, many ruined lives from the day that he first put polygamy into practice. And as we discuss polygamy on our show, please remember that beginning with Joseph Smith, the Bible was always included in their argument for polygamy. Therefore, we will always use the Bible as we maintain that God's design for marriage is monogamy and always has been and was never polygamy. And we're always hearing that because the Bible records that King David and other Old Testament saints practiced polygamy, that polygamy was okay with God and therefore should be okay with us and okay practice today. Tonight, we're going to revisit King David's polygamy to show that his polygamy was not mandated by God, but caused devastation in David's life, in his home and in his family, in his children, and even in his kingdom. Devastation that ended in rape, murder, lies, and a household whose members was against each other. And also, when we study Old Testament polygamy, we can easily see that there is not even a hint of Mormon fundamentalist-style polygamy in their stories. Joseph Smith claimed that he was restoring what was lost, but you don't restore something that has never been. And polygamy, Joseph Smith's style, certainly was not Old Testament polygamy. So please keep these things in mind as we discuss King David's polygamy tonight. For several weeks, our guest co-host, Earl Erskine, has been absent from our show because of a serious health problem. But God has been gracious, and He has healed him, and so he is back again tonight to participate in our discussion. So I'd like to welcome back, and it's so good to see you back, Earl. <laughs> Thanks, Doris. I appreciate being here, and uh, I want to thank everybody for their prayers and love and support over the last few weeks. It's been an interesting experience and I'm grateful to be here. And it's great. It's good to have you back and, and good you. to see you in good form, which Thanks. you are, and you feel healthy and you look healthy. Feel very good. good. Yeah, feel good. Well, good. So well, we're going to work on David tonight. Um, a lot of people have, I think, some pretty confusing ideas about King David and yeah. and his polygamy and his Bathsheba affair and yeah. all of that stuff that took place. And I think part of the confusion comes because God referred to David as a man after his own heart, and not because David wasn't a sinner, because David was a sinner, but because David never fell into idolatry like his son Solomon did, and like so many of the kings of Israel after him did. David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to become king of Israel after King Saul. Now, David was a shepherd, symbolizing, of course, the coming Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Good Shepherd. And all his life, David had a passion for God's glory, for God's word, for God's reputation, and for God's presence. That's why God called him a man after his own heart. 
But David had a problem, and his problem wasn't with God. It was with the ladies. Now, 400 years before King David existed, God gave commandment regarding marriage in Israel. And that commandment is given in Deuteronomy 17, 17, which I think you're going to quote I am going to read that. Um, and I think this is so telling. It tells exactly what God thought about things. Neither shall he, the king, multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Okay, so there it is. The king shall not multiply wives to himself, and the warning is his heart will turn away if they do. And it did. That's what God I mean, said. that's what the history <laughs> of, of polygamy in the Bible is. Now, David's polygamy after he became king was a total disregard of this command. But before he became king, he already had three wives. And his first wife was the daughter of the king. Uh, Saul, and her name was Michael. And after he became king and moved to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us that he took more wives and concubines. Now, the word concubine, according to Ravel's Bible Dictionary, describes the biblical meaning of, of the position of being a concubine in biblical times. So, I think you're going to read that for you. That a secondary wife, this is the definition of a concubine, a secondary wife who had inferior social and legal standing. Custom permitted men to have secondary wives in Old Testament times. It was the custom, but it wasn't from God. A concubine, a concubine did not have all the rights of the first wife, but she did have legal standing according to customs of the land. The Old Testament holds up the idea of monogamy, but records long established national customs like polygamy. Recognizing polygamous customs of the people is different than God commanding the practice of polygamy. Now, and that's what we find all through the Bible, biblical polygamy. Uh, based on the biblical practice of having concubines, by the way, the plural wives in today's polygamy groups are not wives at all. They are concubines having no legal rights or preferences. Yeah. After David had been king for many years, one night he was wandering around in a complete state of boredom, and he got an eyeful of Bathsheba, who was next door bathing, a very beautiful woman. And letting lust do his thinking for him instead of his brain, he sent a servant to go get her. And she became pregnant. And to save his own skin and reputation, David ordered his top military leader to make sure that her husband Uriah was killed in battle, which God called murder. Now that makes a very long story very short, but it's basically what happened. But David forgot to remember that God sees everything that every person ever does, and he judges accordingly. Now, we might ask the question, what's going on here? Why did David, why did God allow David to take more and more wives, especially when he already said that the kings were not supposed to do that? Why didn't God stop him or punish him for it? Now, I hear a lot of people say that. We've had callers on our show that said it must have been okay because God didn't punish him and Abraham and Jacob and the others. Well, not punishing doesn't indicate that God approved of David's polygamy. That just can't be, be said to be true. And, and I'm going to say it right up front. God did not necessarily punish the Old Testament polygamists, but he sure didn't bless polygamy either. And they all suffered consequences for practicing it. 
And it wasn't until after David and Bathsheba's baby was born, more than nine months later, and David had not yet acknowledged nor repented of his crimes, that God sent his prophet Nathan to David to remind him that God had seen what happened, and he had not forgotten what he saw. Now, we must remember one thing here, too, that the passing of time does not remove our sins. There's only one thing that removes our sin, and it's not the time factor, and it's not works. And although God did not immediately fry David for what he did, David suffered his consequences, which we're going to see. Not only himself, but his home, his family, his relationships suffered because and from the consequences of his polygamy, and his kingdom suffered as well. There is one particular biblical verse that confuses those who want to justify polygamy, and it's in 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 8. We'll go up on the screen. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Now because he said, I gave thee thy master's wives into thy bosom, uh, pro-polygamists claim that it means that God gave David those wives, dropped them in his lap, and the mandate for practicing polygamy. Well, that just is not saying, this, this, this passage is not saying that God gave permission uh, to, for David to take plural wives. God absolutely cannot contradict himself. We have to start out with that fact right up front. And Deuteronomy 17, 17, God said, the, for the king is not to multiply wives to himself. So that can't be the answer. By the way of explanation, according to customs, when a king died, and the new king had, uh, was coming in to take his place, that new king had 100% rights to all the previous king's property, his palace, his slaves, his harem, everything the other king had, uh, the new king, it was his property. And God gave David the throne and the kingdom of King Saul. And that's what God is saying. I gave you all these things. Therefore, everything that had been King Saul's, God gave to David. Just because the harem would become David's property doesn't follow that David took the harem for himself. In fact, when you read the Bible, and you should study it completely, not just take one verse out of context, it turns out that King Saul had only one wife and one concubine. <laughs> now, in all the genealogies that list David's wives and children, you will not find that David took Saul's wife or his concubine. And besides that, Saul was old enough to be David's father, and his wife was old enough to be David's mother. He married their daughter, and his, their son, Jonathan, his was, son was David's best friend. David had married their daughter, so it's hardly thinkable that David was married to both the daughter and the mother, Saul's wife. Finally, it would have been detestable for David to have married his mother-in-law. We have scriptures in Leviticus 18 and also Leviticus 20 that explains that. Do not have sexual relations with both a woman and her daughter. That is wickedness. And if a man marries both a woman and her mother, it is wicked. Both he and they must be burned in the fire so that no wickedness will be among you. 
So we Fairly see clear. that's ve <laughs> that's very threatening, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's unthinkable that David would have married uh, his wife's mother as a plural wife, and so and, and there's nothing in the Bible that shows us that he took Saul's widow as a plural wife. And then again, we have Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 7 through 8, which we're going to read again. And I give thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. And, give thee, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. Now the house of Israel and Judah is the kingdom of Israel, the entire nation. It was before the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom had been separated. So uh, King David was king of the entire nation of Israel. And God is reminding David that it was God himself who gave David the entire kingdom. And if David thought that he needed another wife, he could have chosen from any and all of the females available in Israel. Why did he choose another man's wife? That is what is being said in that passage. It is not saying God dumped those wives in David's lap. Now, we're going to go back, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to go back to 2 Samuel again, chapter 12, 7 and 8, because I'm going to pick something else out of that to show you what we're talking about. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. It's interesting when you do Bible study to study words. The, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So go to the Hebrew language, get a concordance, get a dictionary, look it up. And the word for bosom in this passage where he says, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. It isn't saying that he gave them into David's bedroom. It's saying that they gave him into David's care. And it cannot be forced to mean that David took them as wives. To be left in David's care means that they would be taken care of and provided for rather than turned out into the streets or as some nations would do, they would kill off the harem of the previous king when the new king came in. But God's people wasn't allowed to do that kind of stuff. And the word master, when he says, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives is referring to King Saul who was considered David's master because Saul was the king. As already mentioned, King Saul only had one wife and one concubine. And his concubine's name was Rizpah, and she was appropriated not by David, but by Abner, the commander of Saul's armies. And you can read that in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. And so you can see here from this alone, David did not take Saul's wives. Saul was too old. Saul's uh, first wife was too old, and Rizpah, his only concubine, was taken by Abner, the commander of his army. So there was none left for him to take. Now we're going to look at the consequences of polygamy in David's case. First of all, we need to realize that God's first work with sinful humans, and all of us are sinners, mm -hmm. is always grace, not punishment. If you've ever sinned and haven't been fried for it from God, you know that he doesn't punish immediately. And it's proof, of course, of that of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for yeah. our sins because that's where the grace comes from. It's the yeah. source of our grace. We're all sinners. Right, exactly. But Old Testament polygamy causes some people to ask, if God does not approve of polygamy, why did he allow so many people to practice it, especially as prophets? 
Well, first of all, it was the kings who primarily practiced polygamy, not the prophets. And no person could be both king and prophet, by the way. There were three separate offices, prophet, priest, and king, and no one got to have all three offices. They were all came, to, came, all came together in Jesus, and now he holds all three offices. Next, God allows us to choose whether to rely upon God and his perfect guidance or to live under our own faulty rules and choices. And God allows us the freedom to choose. And he will tolerate sin without immediately uh, showing a reaction, a negative reaction to us. But we must also realize the Bible never teaches that God's patient tolerance is his approval. God allowed David to kill Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. We can't really believe that it was okay with God just because he allowed it to happen. And that's exactly what they're saying about polygamy. God allowed it, so it must be okay. That simply cannot be possible. God allowing people to sin is absolutely not expressing his approval of their sin. So the consequences of David's polygamy, we are going to find... Uh, where the prophet Nathan comes to confront David with his sin, and we find it in 2 Samuel 12, 10 through 13. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Wow. Yeah. David's sin just put away just like that. <laughs> it, that's grace. <laughs> it, yeah, that's grace. Because, and only because... David has been confronted with God's word, yeah. which brought him to godly repentance. Yeah. And that's the only way that that sin could be put away. Godly repentance equals godly forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And, and we see here that David... Uh, expressed godly repentance for his sin and so his sin was put away and 1,000 years later Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for David's sin. Jesus died for the sins of the world. Forgiveness and cleansing of sin can only come through the cross of Jesus Christ leading to godly repentance which means turning from going our way and going God's way. There's only one way and it's not in a religion. Now, there are several contemporary studies that conclude that polygamy breeds violence, too many men, shortage of women, sexual abuses to women and children, and authoritarian abusive power by the male leadership. And there is ample conclusive evidence that polygamy causes these problems, and the biblical record proves that to have been true in David's time as well. First of all, regarding Bathsheba, David already had plenty of wives. Why did he need another woman, especially another man's wife? The male children of polygamous families often learn from their polygamous father's behaviors, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> 
And this was the case in David's family. Let's read 2 Samuel chapter 13, 1 through 11. It's very interesting. In the course of time, Amnon, the son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became frustrated to the point of illness on account of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now Amnon had a friend named Jonadab, son of Shemiah, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. Godly, oh, now therefore this, I'm he sorry. Asked he asked Amnon, why do you the king's son look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me, Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so that I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent, sent word to Tamar at the palace, go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon who was lying down. She took some, no, some dough, kneaded it, made the bread in his side and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread but he refused to eat. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said, so everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food in here into my bedroom so I may eat from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it into her brother Amnon into the bedroom, into his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, Come to bed with me, my sister. Don't, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her, and since he was stronger than she, he raped her. Then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up and get out. And Tamar lived with her brother Absalom, in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate woman. And, Ab and he, Absalom, hated Amnon because he had disgraced his sister Tamar. So we can see in through this the deceit yeah. and the violence and the rape and the incest and the lives ruined, just like in today's polygamy groups. And after this happened, his brother Absalom killed Amnon because he had raped their sister Tamar. And so we can add to that list hatred and murder. And it sure does sound like some of the crimes that's taken place in contemporary Mormon polygamy groups around here in the recent years. Is there a sense of sexuality constantly in a polygamous group? Do you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. I, I don't, didn't sense that myself, but I was, you know, kind of raised out away from but, other people. But and the men are always they, thinking they might. sex and, yeah, and uh, they, looking for more women I think and they more conquests. They do when they get older. Yeah. They do, yeah. They, they do. Some of the, the men who, who are in the, especially the leadership families, yeah. are always looking Sounds for Sounds a little like idolatry, doesn't it? Very much idolatry. <laughs> yeah. Very much idolatry. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, Absalom, who had killed his brother, later attempted to make himself king 
by trying to steal the kingdom from his father David. And in the end, he failed in his attempt to take the kingdom. In fact, he ended up being killed himself for the treason of trying to steal the kingdom. But before he was killed, in, in fulfillment of Nathan's prophecy to David, Absalom took his father's concubines and sexually molested them in public, in broad daylight, in full sight of all the people, which did fulfill that prophecy that Nathan has had that the Earl read, Nathan read to David. So, and then you can read the entire story of that sleazy event in 2 Samuel 16, verses 20 through 22. Now, this is a, a sordid and violent story. It is. And they want to use polygamy, David's polygamy as a foundation for their own polygamy. And Joseph Smith said David's polygamy was justification before God? For heaven's sakes. Now, that's in section 132, isn't it? It is yeah. in section 132. Yeah. And none of these events would have happened if Amnon hadn't raped Tamar, his sister. David's sons observed the sexual habits and promiscuity of their father and developed their own sexual appetites like his. And God had warned that the sins of the fathers will be visited on the children, not because God forces that to happen, but because we teach by doing and we learn by watching. And they watched their father David and learned from him. And I wonder why folks can say that God didn't punish David for his oh. polygamy. These consequences are tragic. It's a terrible story. And as a father and a grandfather, that would be just devastating. And they could have been avoided. Yeah. They could have yeah. just doing what God said. So, so, and again, we must always remember um, that God always works with mankind first in grace and patience then in reconciliation and restoration and forgiveness. But first, there must be godly repentance. And when God's grace is rejected, God then abandons that person to his own sinful way of which there can be dire consequences. Conclusion. Do you have any concluding comments that you well, would I, like to Well, I, as a Christian now, I appreciate the fact that David's sins have been forgiven to him, that yeah. they've been paid for by, by Jesus. Uh, as a Mormon, uh, and I guess in fundamentalism as well, they, they believe da uh, David is... David was lost. They, David they is taught. lost. And if David was lost, why did Joseph Smith say that he was justified through polygamy? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. It does doesn't it? make any Using sense at all. Using that person as an example, if, if he's lost. Especially yeah. if he was condemned in the Book of Mormon for it. Yes, so none true. of the, it's just all a hodgepodge as yeah. far as, as Mormonism. Made it up as they went along, I think. They made it up. <laughs> and if you want to read David's prayer of repentance, there's a beautiful chapter in Psalms. It's, it's Psalm 51. And that is David's prayer of repentance for what he was involved with in the Bathsheba affair. And it's clear throughout the Bible that polygamy is a twisted version of marriage that God never designed. Instead, uh, polygamy is a human weakness of human origin and is opposed to monogamy and creates problems within the family and within the culture that allows it. And as we've always maintained, the only form of marriage that God approves of is monogamy. And yeah. I think we see a good example with David's. And so many scriptures in the New Testament that support 
one wife and uh, yeah. cleaving to one wife and leaving mother and father to cleave to one wife. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so we are, that's David's polygamy and um, of course there's a lot more to it than that, but we, we caught, brought a lot of it together to answer the question where people want to know why if David did it and God didn't fry him <laughs> on the spot, it must be okay. Well, David suffered greatly for his polygamy. But we'll open up the telephone lines now if any of our viewers want to call in and ask questions make comments, enter the conversation, or ask, okay. talk to Earl or myself about something, give us a call. Our number is 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20, and we will present our message right now, too. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at TV at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you, is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, Back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show, Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and our co-host, uh, Earl Erskine, is here tonight, and we've been talking about King David's polygamy in the Bible and showing how it, there's no way that it possibly could have been God's command or that he even condoned it. In fact, David and his family and the kingdom suffered terrible consequences as a result of David's lust for his women. Um, I think you've got a great uh, quote I'd, that you want I to I thought so. It's, if you remember back when we read Deuteronomy 17, 17, it says, Neither shall he, kings, multiply wives to themselves, that his heart turn not away. Well, in 1 Kings 11:4, it says, For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, and, and a lot of people, wise. they'll read what you just read there, which fulfilled uh, Deuteronomy yeah. seventeen seventeen. But and then they'll say, well, David was right before God. Look, it says so right there, <laughs> and and the Bible does very often say that David was a man after God's own heart. Well, uh, that doesn't mean that David wasn't a sinner. It doesn't mean that he was a perfect human being, uh, but it does mean that he didn't seek after other gods. And and we've got some yeah. scriptures to go on that a little later, if. Yeah you know, if we have time. But being a man after God's own heart, or a woman, is a, a someone who is zealous for God's honor. Uh, he he is, wants to always, he or she always wants to do God's will. Uh, but King David wasn't a perfect man. And you know, I can hear a lot of people say right now, well, neither was Joseph Smith a perfect man. Why don't we give him the benefit of the doubt like we're giving yeah, King Saul the benefit too. of the doubt? And the answer is very simple. Because we, uh, David isn't the origin of our belief. Jesus Christ is. And we don't follow David like Mormonism follows Joseph Smith. We follow the one who didn't sin uh, and the one who didn't fail. Jesus Christ, uh, who was perfect, and Jesus, who uh, didn't, wasn't subject to any, any errors. And neither Joseph Smith nor King David nor any other man is our standard. But God is, and Jesus Christ is God. And we are to only follow Jesus and no man. And Joseph Smith's teachings and his actions contradicted Jesus. And so to follow Joseph Smith is to commit spiritual suicide. It's a dangerous thing to do. Well, and Joseph always said, thus saith the Lord. That It always struck me uh, that he was so confident that he had God on his side that he could mm -hmm. say, thus saith the Lord. Mm -hmm. And presenting and and. Yeah, presenting things to the church that was so unbiblical, mm -hmm. but, Absolutely. Uh, but always and, in the name of God. And this is a good example because in the Book of Mormon, which Joseph Smith wrote, he said Solomon's and David's polygamy were an abomination to God. Yeah. You get into section 132, Solomon's and David's polygamy was justified, justified them before Very God. Very first verse. Absolute <laughs> contradictions between yeah. his two writings. And then you read the Bible right there that Solomon's heart was led astray yeah. because of his... Uh, polygamy. So, so how can he be justified if his heart was led to to worship other gods? Certainly wasn't. We can't <laughs> follow a man who doesn't even know where he's at, and obviously he didn't. Yeah. Um, so our telephone lines are open. We'd love to hear from our viewers if you have something you'd like to say or uh, comment on or ask questions. We'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is 801-973-8820. And it looks like right now we that have... Whoa. That wasn't ready. Sounded like it was, but it wasn't. Okay. Um, we'll wait until that <laughs> one seems to be ready. Um, Joseph Smith's uh, uh, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I think is what puts the fear, especially in the polygamist's yeah. uh, heart. I know for, for our, from our own experience, uh, whenever we hear, that saith the Lord, and then they raise that rod of wrath on you. God's going to get you if you don't do this. And the polygamy was the was the was what they did with Joseph Smith's polygamy. Yeah, and I, I can't imagine people that were so dedicated to Joseph Smith and following him. Um, and we've read about Helen Mark Kimball and so many others, including Emma Smith in section 132, who were, who were told that they'd be destroyed if they didn't follow Joseph Smith uh -huh. and what he was presenting. That's right. It's, uh, That's right. He used that that hammer to, uh, I guess, to do his own uh, 
Um, and we can't follow any man or woman. No. We can't. We have to follow Jesus and what he has said and done and taught in the Bible. And mm -hmm. that's only in the Bible, too, by the way. Um, it's gone now. They said it was ready, and now it's gone. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Oh, well, we'll make it. Um, you know, we hear people say also, one of the complaints that I hear about people is that, how can you say that, there's, that, that Jesus is against polygamy? He never preached against polygamy. Uh, you, you won't find where he didn't, so polygamy must be okay. I hear that all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, and, and I'll hear other people say that the Jews always practiced polygamy, even for centuries after Jesus uh, came, the Jews still practiced polygamy, so it must be okay. But are the Jews our standard? You know, um, I don't think that we hold up them to be our standard for living at all. Um, and besides, whether they practiced or not hasn't got anything to do with anything. Yeah, and Jesus, there were a lot of things Jesus didn't mention, probably if we were to actually make a list of the things he didn't say. And I don't think that's a, a, a commitment or a, a, you could mean that he condoned any of those things. So, And, and we can't establish a doctrine on silence. No, that's true. The, the, the Jesus never told me I couldn't cut off my dog's tail, yeah, you know, right. but I'm not going to do it. Yeah. But, but and, and it's just silly to say because he didn't say it, it's okay to do it. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, besides, as far as the Jews practicing polygamy, it wasn't the norm. It was the probably, uh, just like the Old Testament, the exception. Okay, I think we might be ready here. Line three, we have Larry calling in Salt Lake. Hello, Larry. Hello, Bruce. Hi, Larry. You're on the air. Yes, I was just wondering if you thought that even with David or Joseph or any of the ones that started polygamy, if it came from the adversary more than God. Of course it did. Anything that goes against God's uh, explicit command comes from Satan. Right, that's what I think too. But it doesn't mean that the Book of Mormon or any of the Bible or any of the teachings are still good. It's just that the men go astray. Even though they're a prophet or even if they're Moses or anyone that's in the Bible or whatever, don't you think that the, the teaching still, God has to get it down here. There's no perfect man to get it through. I know it's bad that they go off the deep end, but don't you think it's still important to have the things that they've written? It's important to have the Bible. Hmm. It's very important to have the Bible. The Bible was written by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit took a hold of the man that he was going to use to write that portion of the Bible. He took control of that man, and he caused that person to write what he wanted him to write. Right. Now, you don't believe that the teachings of the Mormon... No, the Book of Mormon is a fraud. fraud. Larry, the Book of Mormon is a fraud. It's been proven to be a fraud. It's proven. There's not even a discussion on that. There's no doubt that it's a fraud. They did, Joseph Smith did copy from the Bible, and that part is true, because anything the Bible says is true. But right, if you take right. something out of any context... Of, any other religion, though, I mean, it's not got any good to it. That's what I... Kind of the, the no Larry, matter what religion, they're all going to have problems. The, at least it's got some good teaching in it. Larry, the point is, the point is, there's one way to heaven. Every single person on this planet is going to face God someday. And maybe right. it's 10 seconds for me, maybe it's 30 seconds for you. We don't know when we're going to be in eternity, and we better have it right. 
And if you go into any religion that, well, it's partly right, so, but what part of it is and what part of it isn't? You need to know what the truth is and then make your decision from that. And God said that his truth is only in the Bible. Jesus said, your word is truth. So that's where I'm going to hang my hat. Well, that's true, and I believe a lot of that, and I believe a lot of times you have to do it yourself, or, but it seems like you need some religion in your family or, or people, or you kind of really go astray. Well, religion, God hates religion, and Jesus hated religion, and religious leaders. We don't want religion. That just leads man astray. We want relationship. We want a right relationship with Jesus Christ, and the only way we get that is to go to the cross, and do what David did in Psalm 51 and repent. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leaves no regret and gives salvation. But worldly sorrow leads to death, and that means eternal death. But don't you think you need some kind of a place to go, some religion, even if it's, you know, any, any of the ones that are on the earth? You, people can go to church, and, but when you follow religion and man's teachings, you're lost. But when, we, when Christians go to church, they go there to be together and learn from the Bible. They don't go there to be told how to, uh, to live or not live and follow a bunch of rules and do a bunch of rituals and all the other stuff that religion does. Right, but I mean, is that the Catholics? Or, I mean, everybody has some kind of... Well, well we're not going to be here to, to, to discuss no, I mean, the world's religion religions. It has some kind of rules. Yeah, we're, we're, the, the rules, we're saved by grace, not by law. Read Galatians. Read the book of Galatians. We are not saved by rules. And if you follow rules, you're under I just a curse. Kinda, it, I mean, it, you know, the, just the basics that you learn when you go to read from the Bible. Anything read from the Bible. And, it, and if or you, do it at home. And then hope that works. If, it, yeah. Larry, uh, uh, we have another call coming in, so I'm just going to say one more thing. If you want the truth, you go into the Word of God and you learn the truth from what God has told us in there. You develop a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit will guide you into the rules you need to follow. But to go to a man's church who insists on you doing a bunch of things and doing, uh, I'm not going to name all the things I could name right now, but I think most of our, our viewers understand what I'm saying. Okay, line two. Line two, we have Evelyn from Salt Lake City. Hello, Evelyn. Evelyn. Hello. Yes, I'm just going to mute my telephone. Please turn your TV volume down. <laughs> so, um, what I am... You need to turn your TV volume down, Evelyn. You need to turn your TV off. Hello? Did we lose her? I did turn it off. Okay, good. What's your question or comment? Well, I have a comment, and this, this is not to be demeaning to Mormon people. Evelyn, you need to turn your television volume down. I can hear the feedback. Now the power is off. Okay. But this is not to be demeaning to Mormon people. They, I do believe that they are sincere and very good people. There's um, no doubt about that in my mind. Pardon? There's no doubt about that in my mind. No. They no. are very sincere. In fact, a million years ago or a hundred or so when I was born in a little town in southern Utah, the moment you took a breath, you were a Mormon. And 
so living there until I was almost 18, and it was our way of life, which now I thank God for the very humble, humble beginning that I had. But I did learn truth and honesty there, and so I, and I still have a big family that lives all around Utah who are Mormons. So I can't talk against them, but I can feel sorry that they are so devote and they work devout and they work hard and it's really kind of in the wrong way. I feel that they, it starts off by being deceived by Joseph Smith. Right. He set the stage for having by having 23 wives. 34. <laughs> 34 <More. wives. laughs> And then Brigham um, Young comes here to settle and starts all of our territory here in the same way and so if, if you really want to be a good Mormon you follow your leader if mm -hmm. I want to be a good Christian I must look solely to Jesus right. Christ this That's, is the way I feel and right. I'm not anywhere near perfect and I am not what I want to be but I know from where all truth and all light comes and if we want to return to him, it won't be going to the temple and taking one wife after another, you it know, after the first one dies, and then we get more right. and more. This is even by, our, by the prophets. And so I think there's a great misconception that we are going to carry on and have children in heaven mm -hmm. that we're going to become a god no one can become god but god we're going to do a show on that next week evelyn we are going to go through the, some of the scriptures and some of the early mormon uh talks about becoming god and and, and prove very clearly that it's impossible for anybody yes. to be god well, except and, god and we know that we can't be we just want to follow him and um i think that i can go I do go to church. I'm not. Uh, I I just believe, and I go mm -hmm. because I. You can't stay away. If you believe in Jesus, you want to go to honor and worship. We go for worship. That's right. And everyone. then when you come out, the world looks wonderful. Every person is important. There are no people on earth unimportant. There are none that I can. That, that's right, Evelyn. Did you have a question, or did, were you going somewhere with this? Do it with love, and huh? it is through the love of God that. Problems become solved. You can't this. solve them by fighting and debating. And Evelyn, did you have a question that you were going to ask, or did you were you going somewhere with this? Well, I just I just say to my to the dear friends and the people in who are so good in this city, just look to God and and to the Bible, and there are many books then that you can. Um, delete from your library or put away okay. in a box. Thank you, Evelyn. And there is one, the Bible, and the you Bible. will learn exactly. what God put us here to, to be. Mm -hmm. That's true. Thank you very I much. I love your program, and that Bishop Earl is, he is, <laughs> he's a star in my life. Mm -hmm. I have followed him for a long time, and he has given me courage to do what I've seen him mm -hmm. do. Great. Thank you, Evelyn. God bless you uh -huh. both. Thank you. Praise God. Thanks for Thank calling. You. Mm -hmm. Bye. Um, and you know, I've had some inter interesting <coughs> discussions to, with people about feelings, because they're so 
important in Mormonism mm -hmm. and the feeling that the Bible isn't trustworthy and the feeling that the Book of Mormon is true. And I, I just think standing in front of God someday mm -hmm. and saying, well, I felt like it was okay. Yeah. I, I ignored the truth. I ignored the words. I, mm -hmm. I didn't really study your word, the Bible, but I, f I feel good. You yeah. know, I feel like I did well. And, you know, I just, I just think it's such a, a false sense of it, security. It, it is a feeling, and, and also uh, our caller mentioned earlier that the Mormons are very sincere people. They are. They're wonderful they're, people. They're, they're, that isn't our issue here. The, the polygamists are sincere people, but they're sincerely wrong. <laughs> sincerity doesn't get you. Read the Bible and find out where sincerity gets you into heaven. It doesn't. There's mm -hmm. only one thing that gets you into heaven. One thing. And there's only one heaven, too, by the way. And that one thing is Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the Bible, who is God Almighty, not Satan's brother, right. but God Almighty, and who died on the cross to pay for every one of your sins. And if your sins aren't paid for, heaven's gate's going to be shut. Yeah. And that's what's scary. So being sincere, feeling right, yeah, it feeling it's right. It isn't, isn't enough. isn't it, right. No. It isn't. It yeah. definitely is not right. Um, we still have some calls coming in yet, but it doesn't look like any of them is ready right now. Uh, but, but back to the, the, the argument that some people have, well, Jesus didn't preach against uh, polygamy. And it's true that Jesus never said, thou shalt not practice polygamy. He didn't say that. No. But he always taught monogamy. <laughs> Jesus always taught monogamy. In fact, um, a doctrine, like we said, that, that cannot be established on Jesus is silent. And he was silent about polygamy, but very, very verbose about monogamy. He went clear back to creation, Jesus did, clear back to Adam and Eve, and repeated what was said there in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. Uh, in fact, in he, one of his he teachings, that. and Mark right. chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, I think we've got that yeah. coming on the screen, Do we? Uh, where Jesus quoted it. Um. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And I think he repeated that in Matthew 19, if I'm not mistaken. And, so, yeah, yeah, and he, he repeated um, the, the, the Adam and Eve story, which right, means that Genesis. is true, that yeah. it's a true story, or Jesus would be telling a lie if he yeah. was repeating a falsehood. Well, now, now, when Jesus said they neither marry nor are given in marriage. In heaven. In heaven. Uh-huh. What, how did the polygamists deal with that? I'd, I'd like to know how the Mormons and the Mormon. polygamists deal with it. Mormon. They have they have different reasonings to, to work around yeah. it, but none of them makes any sense. Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven, period. Yeah, he didn't know, say period. whether you're married or not, you're, there is no marriage in heaven. Right, no yeah. marriage at all. And yeah. There's just no state of being marriage. And Romans 7 says that when a person dies, the, the covenant of marriage is cut, is done, and it's over with. And there's no celestial marriage given at all, no, no eternal marriage at all. Okay, very quickly, we have on line two, Sean in Cedar City. Hello, Sean. Yes. Yes, you're on the air. You're on the air, Sean. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a question. I turned on my TV. I just wanted to know why, and I'll turn my TV uh, back on. I just want to know why that there is... 
uh, where the chalkboard is located for the Mormon Church, where they changed their rules. And I was also wondering why they didn't change the the calendar when after the Joseph just found the the, the plaques or whatever. Did you catch I that? I missed the first part of the I'm first sorry, question. Sean, sorry, I, Sean. Sorry, Sean. Repeat that, would you? Sean. I think he hung up to listen to our answer. We didn't get your question, Sean. Oh. I'm sorry. I said something about a chalkboard. So, but well, he, and then he said something about rechanging the date. I don't know if he meant uh, BC, zero BC type thing, That's, or I don't know. I don't I'm know sorry, Sean. We can't answer your question. Apologize for that. Okay, line three. We have Jim in West Jordan. Hello, Jim. Hi. Uh, very good program tonight. I wanted to ask you what you might be able to help us with on. Brother-in-law marriage and David taking the wives of Solomon. Was this sort of required by the law of Israel? David took the wife of Solomon? No, that didn't happen. You mean Saul is the the first king? Oh, I'm sorry. David did not take the wife of Saul. We talked about that during tonight's show. He did not take his wife. Oh, okay. I was just wondering what is the detail on that because it it's something that I thought I had read in, in studies before. What mm-hmm. happened to Saul's wives? Um, I don't know what happened to his first wife. The Bible doesn't say, but he only had one wife and one concubine, and the the his uh, Abner, the leader of his military, took the concubine. Whatever happened to his wife, I don't know. But he would have been old. She would have been old enough to be David's mother anyway. Because okay. David okay. married his da- her daughter. I, I guess I was uh, hearing things that I, I hadn't heard the details Well, sometimes we have filters in our head where people have said something in the past, and then when you hear something in the future, it goes through that filter, and you think that's what it means when really it doesn't. But studying the Bible for yourself is the most important thing a person can do. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling. Okay. Um, Back to... I guess Sean's gone. <laughs> Has he? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Yeah, but back to the two being one. Um, it says what God has joined together, no man can separate. And yeah. so we come to Joseph Smith, and he changes it to three or four, even to 34 for himself. Yeah. You know, and, and that's changing that. And you, you just can't do that. There's the only model for marriage in the Bible is monogamy. Well, and, and what's so interesting is that he was able to convince other people who presumably had read the Bible and was aware of of this, but somehow he his, through his charisma and so on was able to influence other people and mm-hmm. and even threaten them it sounded like and make mm-hmm. promises as we've talked about uh, you've talked about many times promises to families being secure in the celestial kingdom if if their daughters would marry him <laughs> i mean it's mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of laughable that he would be able to because he was so interested when you talk about maybe david for a time being with the ladies mm-hmm. sounds like uh, joseph smith was the same way well, thanks, Earl, for coming again tonight. My pleasure, Appreciate and I'm it. glad to be here. Thank our viewers <laughs> for watching. You know, uh, on uh, I'd like to ask a question: Can a shepherd lose all his sheep and still be called a good shepherd? In John chapter ten, verse eleven, Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd." And to answer my own question, good shepherds don't lose their sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, gave his life for the sheep so they wouldn't be lost. And yet Joseph Smith comes along 1,800 years later and accused God of losing all of his sheep, his church, and his word, and he called it the great apostasy.
But God said his word would endure forever. Jesus said his word would never pass away. Jesus said his church would last through all generations. God said his word is eternal and firm in heaven. And so we either have a God who tells lies or promises but fails to keep his promises, or who promises and does not have the power to keep his promises, or we have a God who tells the truth and a Joseph Smith who tells the lies. And since Romans chapter 3 verse 4 tells us that God is true and every man is a liar, I'll stick with God who cannot lie and reject Joseph Smith who told lies. And since Jesus is the truth, I'm going to believe everything that he has said and reject everything that anyone says that contradicts what Jesus said, even when they claim it was a command or revelation from God like polygamy. And I'll take my stand in agreement with Psalm 119.30 which says, I have chosen the way of truth. Jesus is the truth, and truth doesn't change. And most important of all, truth matters. Truth matters more than friendships. It matters more than political correctness. It matters more than popularity. Truth matters more than family and more than social standing. Truth matters more than anything else. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.